0: So this was was
1: a fun interview. We laughed a lot. Oh, so
0: fun. Yeah.
1: And really informative. Sasha's got some good things to say about finance, like if you're trying to quit your day job. And so we talked about really practical stuff like that, but then we also talked about um, just being your authentic self, which Mm -hmm. I thought I enjoyed that part of the interview. I
0: did too. And it's so true. It's so absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. I think in this business, we... There's a tendency to want to be like other people um, mm-hmm. because, you know, other people, you know, aspiring to be like other people. And really it's just about who you are. That's what actually yeah. draw people to you. And uh, she's so smart and she's just, um, I didn't know she had um, – education was all the degrees and masters and stuff. Yeah. And so that was really interesting But she's, she's, it was a great interview. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I think, so what's been going on with you this week? Well, let's see. I've been doing all kinds of stuff. I d- I'm doing the um, special edition of the print book. And so I've mm-hmm. signed 50 books last night and numbered them. And I'm going to uh, hand stamp awesome. the end pages And then send those out. So I've been figuring out how to set that up on my website to do direct sales. So I decided to use WooCommerce. It's this Mm -hmm. plugin that you can use. Mm -hmm. And um, so I have to test it. And so Mm -hmm. once I test it, then it will be time to launch it. So I'm a little nervous, but I think Mm -hmm. it'll go fine. But um, that's that's been fun. And doing a lot of promotion stuff for things that, um, like, i would signed up for for the holidays And Mm -hmm. basically, I've done like no writing, but lots of work that needed to be done. So kind of shifting gears to get stuff done. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What have you been doing?
0: Very good. Very good. Well, um, I did not do the intro last week because I was sick as a dog and um, was afraid that I had COVID, but I did not. And then um, Monday just felt great and have continued to feel good all week. Thank goodness. So I've been writing and kind of gearing up for my promotion next week of putting all my books at 99 cents. This could be the worst thing I've ever done. It could be the best thing I've ever done. We'll see. I'll let you know. (laughs) She'll report Um, back. (laughs) So I just feel... Yeah, I'll report back. I'll be the guinea pig, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not putting the new release, which came out in January, uh, at ninety nine cents, but I am putting my four brides books at ninety nine cents. So uh, we'll see. So I've set up tons of promo- a bunch of promotions. I've got some newsletter swaps. Um, I'm going to run BookBub ads. I'm going to run some Facebook ads. I- I'm going to do BookBub ads. Um, I'm counting in those to work, and uh, if they don't work, then I'll go back to Facebook ads, but with a, with 99 cents, and because I'm doing the whole series, I'm putting the series link in, and so I'm hoping that that will last. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, so we'll okay. see. I'll let That'd you be know. Good. That'll be good. Yeah. yeah, and I remembered another thing I've been doing. I had my final upload of all my vendors for book six in the historical oh, s- series because it launches great. on the first so i'm yes. doing that again where i'm uh emailing a chapter each week in the lead up like a sneak preview yeah. to people so and they read my readers seem to really enjoy that so i'm That's doing great. that again so great. yeah i was like i know i have something else going on but like, yeah, it? it's a book launch
0: <laughs> yeah there you go i got a, I got a book coming out so yeah. if you're a in the U S and you are, um, yeah. celebrating Thanksgiving, whether you're celebrating alone or with family or whatever, um, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. If you're in the rest of the world, have a good week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. About, so, have a nice Thursday.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so here's Sasha's interview.
1: So today we have Sasha Black with us on the podcast today. Welcome, Sasha. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. We're so glad you're here. I think this is going to be a fun interview with lots of good information. So let me read Sasha's bio really quick. She is a best-selling author, a rebel podcaster, and a professional speaker. She writes educational nonfiction books for writers and fantasy books for both young adult and adult audiences. She lives in England with her wife and son. So, glad to have you. Thank yes. you.
2: Thank you so much for having me. So, Sasha, tell us how you got into writing. Well, I was very typical in one way because I was one of those children who read quite literally everything I could get my hands on. My mom uh, was always torn between telling me off because she'd come into my bedroom and she could see, you know, the the the, the duvet pyramid and this mm-hmm. glowing orb under the bed where I was reading and also, right. you know, praising me because I'd read my 10th book of that week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I probably if I'd been more self-aware, I probably would have like intentionally written much earlier than I actually did. But Mm -hmm. uh, to my mum's credit, she uh, did, you know, very sensibly suggest that I get some kind of degree in a career as a a backup. Lots of parents do that, you know, Mm -hmm. very sensible in this day and age. So off I trotted to university. Um, I have a degree and two masters, which is a very long story. (laughs) And I very nearly did a PhD. Well, I did get a scholarship to do a PhD, but I didn't want to, I didn't do it in the end. Anyway, and um, then I went and got a proper job because, you know, university is wonderful, but uh, the realities of adulthood tend to crush your creative dreams out of you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I'd spent so long studying that I hadn't really spent any time writing. I'd written, you know, I'd written stories when I was in my teens and stuff, but I let all of that go to go and try and get a very good degree, which I, which I did do. So I went and did what pretty much all graduates who'd come out with excellent degrees did. And I went and got on a management graduate scheme in a very corporate environment. And I knew within not a very long time that I'd made a very very heinous mistake and um but I was stuck I was stuck mm-hmm. because that the um the scheme was two years long and I had to stay uh, otherwise I'd have to pay back um like course fees and this that and the mm-hmm. other so anyway I I turned to blogging because I needed an outlet and um I think we'll go into this a bit later but I wrote under a pen name and I drank wine and I ranted and um <laughs> and and then after ranting for quite some time I sort of remembered that I really enjoyed this writing lark and so I went and did a NaNoWriMo and I pulled out all my notebooks from when I was a kid in the loft and found a couple of stories and wrote a wrote a NaNo which was utter utter you know not poo poo basically <laughs> and um but I didn't give up. I, I rewrote that manuscript two more times from scratch and, um, yeah, it ended up getting published. And, and I think the only other, <laughs> Um, instigator I'd uh, basically I'm senile Mm -hmm. and I also am a a perpetual student so I wanted to write down somewhere all of the lessons that I was learning uh, Mm -hmm. about writing and about publishing and so Mm -hmm. I very selfishly put them on this blog that I'd been ranting on and all and so you know the audience changed and a few of the lessons uh, had gone sort of semi-viral and I realized there was a market Mm -hmm. there and so I wrote them up into a book
1: and lo and behold here I Am a few years later. Wow. Well, I think that that's (laughs) Ah, quite a journey. Very good. I can see how you might not be the corporate fit that. (laughs) I don't know what gave it away. (laughs) Maybe the title of the podcast that you do, the Rebel Author Podcast. (laughs) Oh, I have some
2: stories I can tell you.
1: (laughs) So, what would you say was your first big success?
2: My first big success was, (laughs) well, it's really difficult because so first big writing success or the first thing that really um, m- made me feel proud. Cause I think there's a difference. What shall I do? Uh, do you? both. Do both. Yeah. Okay, so the first big success probably was the blogs that started to go viral because I got several hundred thousand hits in a very short space of time, and that was an awakening that um, there was a market and people wanted information about writing, and it was it was a it was a door and it opened. And so, if that hadn't happened, I may never have started writing nonfiction, um, and I may never never have got to where I am today so I would definitely say although it is a small success in in the length of a you know writing career for me it was such a significant moment that it shaped everything else that came after it Mm. Um, but in terms of the thing that made me proudest was leaving my my day job because um that you know it crushed me like mentally physically um and I was hysterical for about (laughs) three days and uh my friends I remember phoning my (laughs) friends and uh facetiming them and they took screenshots they are (laughs) such good friends and um (laughs) he took screenshots which they do like to roll out every so often no but you know um it's such a you know it takes so much faith in yourself and um grit to keep going um because there are dark days on that journey to to leave your day job to do this full time and um you know, I remember crying in a tree in the middle of winter uh, when I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown because I was so depressed and miserable and desperate to get out. And it was two years until I left after that. Oh, and wow. so, you know, that that day, I I left. I walked out of my job in uh, Christian Louboutin high heels. I went into work on my last day in Louboutins because I was like. I'm going to go out my best self. Yes. I would say that was my biggest, my first big success. (laughs) Well, that's interesting because you're
1: really passionate about financial independence for writers in particular. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and you've done a book with Jay Thorne about that, right? I have. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and any um, advice you would have for people who would like to move into that direction. So the very first
2: thing that I had to do the hardest thing and the biggest thing was to get out of debt now I I think there's so much shame surrounding debt and you know we are brought up in a society where it when you know certainly if you're British you're not really supposed to talk about money you're not really supposed to talk about debt um and yet so many people have debt and um Jay approached me about this series, and that, you know that each book is a, a set of ten essays, all around a different uh, different topics within you know a micro topic. So one of the ones that I did was was on money, and I'm so deeply passionate because I had I think about forty thousand pounds British pounds of debt. Some of that was fertility treatments, some of that was student loans, some of it was car, and just you know childish being young and being a millennial where, you know, I want it now, um, and having the wrong money mindset. And the thing is, I couldn't leave my job until I'd gotten rid of all of it. Mm -hmm. And, and that is really, really hard when you're also miserable, you also hate your job. So the thing, the thing that I would say to everybody that the best thing that you can possibly do is reduce your, um, outgoings so that you need less money every month after you've left your job so if for example you earn £2,000 in your day job and yet you're paying off £800 in debt every single month then if you paid that off you would only need £1,200 a month and earning £1,200 a month from your business your writing business is far easier than earning £2,000 a month um and I think a lot of people um don't really know what reducing your outgoings means everybody's like oh you know I can't possibly give up this that and the other well you actually you can and you probably should um you know but it's things like I stopped having takeouts I stopped uh paying for gym membership because I could run around the block or go on a bicycle um you know we stopped we cut things out like I don't know if you guys oh no you guys probably have like do you have like satellite or Mm -hmm. i don't know what it's called we have sky cable Cable, cable, thank you yeah it's things like reducing that you know that there are so but nobody wants to sacrifice the the good quality you know the things that bring you a bit of joy and a bit of Mm -hmm. um fun in life uh but if you have a bigger goal like leaving your job (laughs) then i promise you the pain ends sooner than
1: you think right yeah Right. yeah yeah Yeah. it is when
0: i um left my job I was the plan was that I would leave at the end of December like I had put out a book in my second book in November and like it wasn't just double my money that I was making it was you know considerably more than double my money and then what I was making and what I had been making it in uh, with my books. And so that was the plan. And I went into work at the beginning of December and my boss, who was quite a few years younger than me, um, yelled at me over the phone. Yeah. She wanted me to do something that wasn't my job and I knew it wasn't my job and I had already made plans and I was like, no, I can't do it. And she yelled at me and I was like, you know what? Just take this as my two week notice. (laughs) like I just quit. And then I, and I said, I can give you a month or I can give you two weeks. And she said, I just want two weeks. And I said, that's fine. And so I hung up and went, Oh crap. What have I done? (laughs) Like I seriously, for a second thought, I need to call her back and go, just kidding, girl. I was just joking, but I didn't. And I walked back to my office and called my husband. I said, funny thing and this is going to be an interesting month and I said yeah it is but it worked out but it was sort of that I I was just at the end and when you're Mm -hmm. making you know at, at that point I had already been making more than I was making at my day job and so when that's the case it's very hard to stay very serious about your day job when you know you can do something somewhere else. And we Absolutely. had done the things you were talking about to kind of reduce things so that we were in a better position. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was a uh, very stressful month, but it, it worked out. So <laughs> you handled it way better. We've talked
1: much better.
2: Well, I don't know. I put myself through eight years of misery.
1: <laughs> well, you know,
2: we're here now, <laughs> but right. you got a book out of it,
1: right? That's right. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That's right yeah and you can tell people you can tell people that they can do it too which is huge
2: they can they can because I honestly like I I genuinely thought it was never going to happen because it Mm. felt endless at the time like it literally felt like an endless amount of money that I would never be able to pay off and I just I was so stubbornly like determined to be able to walk out of that job that I just poured every single cent I had into getting out of debt that's so awesome and then I'm assuming you had the support of your spouse as well to do that um to get out of debt or to leave my day job well kind (laughs) of both but yeah yeah. So I, I paid off, no, that I paid that off myself out oh, of my okay. own salary. So yeah, I, um, my partner obviously supported me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, we've always paid 50-50 for everything. And I paid mm-hmm. off my debt by myself. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> well, yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Because um, I think it's important to have a supportive partner when you're trying to do mm-hmm. those things as well, too. So well, tell us what you uh, wish you'd known about writing and craft.
2: So I, I had to think about this because I have learned so much. And, and I think it actually comes down to something really fundamental. I wish I'd learned how to learn effectively earlier on, because I think I would have developed my craft quicker. Um, and somewhere along the lines, I stopped learning in a way that I I love to learn. So I think everybody learns differently. Some people, are, you know, they can listen to audiobooks and just pick up craft and punctuation from that. Other people have to sit down and, um, you know, do workbooks. Some people, um, like me, (laughs) I read I underline I have to take all of those sentences out of the book I write them all up I look at them and then I forensically dissect them and I look Mm -hmm. at everything from you know the verbs Ad you know have people use adverbs have people use what nouns have they used what uh, adjectives have they used what's the cadence of this sentence you know what literary techniques are they using are they using juxtapositions are they Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is and I and I break it down to a forensic level and I wish that because of the amount of books that I have read, I wish I had done that so much younger than I had started doing it. You know, I didn't, even when I started writing, I, I it took me a while before I started reading like a writer. And um, so, yeah, I think... I think being very intentional with how I read and, you know, every book I'm, I'm reading the, the book thief right now. And like every single book I read, I, I will <laughs> sticky tab things. And, you know, I know it's sacrilege, please don't hate me listeners, <laughs> but I definitely carry a pencil. I can't break a book spine, but I could definitely write in one, um, you know, and I, and I will write notes to myself about, you know, every time I see something that's beautiful or makes me stop or go oh I don't like that I will write down why I've reacted what you know what was my reaction what do I think made me react that way in the sentence Mm -hmm. um and it and that intentional learning I think has sped up my craft significantly so I just I just wish I'd done that more sooner earlier Mm -hmm. younger. yeah that's So, so interesting
1: So interesting. So I'm curious, do you go back? Like when you have your passages marked, do you go back? Do you refer back to them? Do you remember, oh, that was in that book and you go get it?
2: Yes. So yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, there are some books that, um, I look at more than others, but for example, when I get to the end of a book, I will like leaf through and, um, I, I write them up less now, but I used to literally type up every single sentence I had underlined. Yeah. In order to be able to dissect them and see what I was doing. Now I spend more time in the book physically writing notes just because I have less time to write them up. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, but but when i get back get to the end of every book i will leaf through and i will look at the patterns so every author has a thing that they do really well so some authors can do characterization really well some authors do dialogue really well and there's always one thing that i've underlined more than anything else in a book and that is obviously what they have done well so then I will you know just spend some time sometimes it's only five minutes sometimes it's half an hour and I will look at um all of the those excerpts to Mm -hmm. see the patterns that they have used you know the, the you know the the literary techniques like I said before um to see how, you know, what tools are they using to create that voice or, or the character or the the dialogue. Mm. So, yeah, I definitely – I am super intentional about learning and
1: reading now. That is amazing. That is yeah. awesome. I don't have yeah. quite that much endurance when I'm <laughs> – I do remember, like, when I'm reading things, I'll remember. This was a great place, and I can go back to it. So mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. cool. Well, what do you wish you'd know about marketing? I think – that everything
2: counts. When I first came into self-publishing, I would get very stroppy if something didn't go well. And I'd be like, oh, I wasted my money. Or, you know, oh, that didn't work. Another thing didn't work. But the thing is, when you get a few more years down the line, you realize that every... Every book sale, every newsletter swap, every um, paid ad that you do—even if it's not, you know, a hundred percent ROI at the time—it mm-hmm. is having an impact. It is growing your audience, and I. So I don't think there's a single technique or a single, um, you know, trick or tactic that I wish I'd known about. I just wish I'd been softer and easier on myself to say no you know you are doing a good job with the marketing because you know yes okay you only picked up three readers this time but you know what i still got those three readers and so those three readers counted and um yeah like i think people when they first come into the indie world get very despondent that they haven't grown their audience to a size that they want, you know, in six months or or whatever, but actually every single thing you do counts. And if you're putting out good books and if you are taking the time to engage and reply to um, your readers, then you are growing your audience. So, but yeah, I was one of those people (laughs) that was very stroppy and upset that I hadn't, you know, each and every campaign haven't been successful or whatever. Yeah, it and is
1: I a think long that's game, really though.
0: Good. Yeah, it is a long game. I think that's so good because also if you're not looking at those, you know, three people or you know, five percent growth or whatever, it's first easy to be ungrateful and two mm-hmm. to to not pay attention to those three readers that you got mm-hmm. who are so important. Um, and I think you're right And in, in the indie world, especially if you come in like through podcasts and stuff like that, you hear these big success stories and you think, well, my, you know, 1200 newsletter subscribers are nothing, but they aren't nothing. They're, they're very important, especially to your business. Exactly. Um, I think that that's a great perspective. Um, so what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career and looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? So this
2: one was interesting, because (laughs) I was like, like, I had to ponder on this for a little while. Um, I think when I came into this, I made two assumptions about the same thing. So I assumed that it had to only be books that I was selling. And I assumed that I would only ever want to sell books. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was wrong for a couple of reasons. The first thing is I came out of so the final two years in, so we're going back to money now, the final two years in my corporate hellmare, which is what I used to call it, um, I (laughs) was under threat of redundancy no less than four times. The last time I was told in the middle of the canteen that I was going to, there was no job for me and I was going to be made redundant. And I still survived like a cockroach. (laughs) I was like unkillable (laughs) in that job. And um, yeah, like, (laughs) I just I'm laughing because I just still can't believe that that actually happened but it did actually happen anyway uh where was HR no god just stop talking about corporate stuff um so uh, books yeah so under threat redundancy no less than four times and the thing about that is um I was living in a house that was owned by my employer so if I'd lost Mm. my job I also Mm. would have lost my house and up until the last time that last time I had assumed that I would only ever want to write books and I very quickly realized that if the only thing I was selling was books then I was no more secure in working for myself than I was working for the man in in my corporate helmet um and so you know I see having multiple streams of income like I I struggled with it a bit mentally because of course that's the dream isn't it just to write all day and have no other responsibilities but actually I came to the conclusion that for me personally that wasn't financial security that you know after having been in debt and then been on threat, threat of redundancy that wasn't financially secure for me I had to make sure I could always pay my 50% of the bills and so I realized that um, I could create a business that wouldn't necessarily take up stacks of my time so that I could write but would still bring me income and so that's what I have done or I am trying to do (laughs) um and I yeah I think a lot of people come into this just wanting to write books and assuming that anything other than writing books is bad um or not proper or you're not a real author and I Mm -hmm. just call utter BS on that because um think about your financial safety you know if if you don't have other streams of income or you don't have a partner to, to support you if you you know your business goes under or whatever what are you actually going to do mm-hmm. so yeah I think I I came into this thinking that that I would only ever want to write books uh, which was just you know I have so many interests like I you know I want to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that um but also that that's that that was you know what working for myself meant and that mm-hmm. and that wasn't that was wrong so yeah mm.
0: that's, well, good. that's um, where you and jay thorne are alike because he feels the exact same way about that
2: yeah yeah and i know it's not for everybody but, you know you know and that you know i'm not suggesting i'm not suggesting that everybody has to have you know ten thousand different things going on but i do think you know having some kind of other income, whether that's a partner Mm. or, you know, whether it's another rented property or an investment portfolio or a 401 or whatever, you know, so that you are not, because we all have bad book months, even the success, even, even when we're successful, we have bad book months, you know, so yeah. We can't
1: control the market, you know, Mm. and what happens in the, the markets and the, you know, what happens in genres things go up and down. So I was curious, would you give kind of an overview of like how you break out your multiple streams of income to give people some ideas of different things they can do if they're interested in diversifying? Yep. Okay. Oh, wow.
2: Okay. <laughs> How many have? Okay, yeah. So, okay, okay. obviously, I have not books. Just a few. No, no. <laughs> okay, so I have books. Um, and next year we'll see me have audiobooks. I have courses. I um get speaker fees by speaking. I have podcast sponsorship, Patreon, uh, merchandise. Um, I have um done. I do freelance work occasionally. I do consulting. Um, what else? goodness me. Um, I'm trying to think now. Yeah. There's a few anyway.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a lot. And I think it is good to think about what else you can do because I've always been someone who is like, I just, I wanted to write and I focused on writing the books and it's, but I've also done some other things along the way and I've been wide. So that's helped me diversify, Mm -hmm. but it's really nice not to have to write all the time because writing fiction is draining after a while and it's nice to be able to kind of switch gears and do something completely different. If, if you want to, I think it's great. So, right. So, all right. So another question we like to ask is have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing?
2: My name. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. So Sasha Black is not my real name and okay. So I don't know if it was a mistake, but like, obviously I was being, very rebellious and underhand by you know basically publicly ranting ranting about my day job that was a mistake um Mm. because you know then I started publishing and I sold a lot more books than I anticipated and then people started (laughs) finding out and so obviously I had to very quickly pull down um uh, everything that I had said <laughs> about my day job <laughs> um but uh because I had so so really that you know it turned out to be a good thing because my real name is ridiculous it's extremely long, it would never fit on a book cover anyway um but um. You know, I had started this blog and then I'd obviously gained traction. I mentioned the post that sort of, you know, gave me a few hundred thousand hits in a very short space of time. And then I already had an audience under my pen name. So I, I uh, you know, I had thought about having a pen name because of my real name. But it, it kind of was a mistake. Like I, I never... Until it happened, I didn't intend to, to publish under this name. It right. just so happened that I built the audience and then it was too late. I had to just carry on and roll with it. So here I am. And now, like, everybody in my life calls me Sasha, apart from my wife, who's always like, huh, huh? Uh, you know, all the people are calling me you know, Sasha or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so.
0: That's great. So what about the opposite? Have you ever thought, done something you thought, this is the home run, and then it turned out not to be?
2: Um, Yeah. So my second book, um, my second nonfiction book was about heroes and my audience had asked for it. And um, it wasn't a home run for a couple of reasons. I didn't particularly want to write it. I was writing it because I was asked to write it. Mm. um, And then I assumed it was going to sell really well. And then it's always been my weakest seller. I mean, it still sells, but it doesn't sell like the others sell. Um, And so I think I learned a lesson that yes your audience can ask you for stuff but unless you are deeply passionate about that it's probably not worth your time to do it because I didn't really enjoy writing it either Mm. Um, and that's probably shows and probably why it's not um, one of the biggest sellers and the other thing I did because I wasn't as invested in it I wasn't as um, attentive to the details and I accidentally uploaded my workbook into the textbook um oh, wow. file and the pre-order locked out and it got sent out to oh, all of no. my oh, no. people had pre-ordered. <laughs> uh so yes, yeah, so definitely not a home run. Um, you know, I did salvage it. Amazon very, very thankfully um pushed out the correct version onto mm-hmm. um onto the uh Kindles. But I tell you what, I definitely earned myself a fair few greys for about three days before it got pushed <laughs> out. Um but yeah.
1: Oh, that's yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I've, that's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I was updating some books and I accidentally uploaded is, I have two nonfiction books and I switched them on one retailer and somebody emailed me. was like, how can I get this, um, how to write a cozy I've got how to write a series and I was like oh no you know my <laughs> heart just dropped so you're not the only one that's happened to yeah <laughs> so
2: it is like pace. there is it's horrible like it's this like gaping cavity of panic that just sort of like you it's, I can't think of the way it like pulls bad you out you know yeah it's <laughs> like you know it's horrible anyway it's, it's horrendous it's really horrible
0: yeah I think that's happened to, in some form or another happened to a lot of us yeah
1: Mm-hmm. yeah well we have a facebook group for the podcast and we asked them if they had any questions for you and they had a couple oh, so this okay. is a question from the facebook group from claire and she would like to know she says sasha's amazingly productive across a lot of different areas i'd love to know her tips for moving from one thing to another quickly without lo- losing focus or momentum and how she gets so much done
2: okay so do you guys know um uh, this is such a hard one to answer and, and, and also very, very easy to answer in the same way. Have you guys ever heard of like Becca Syme and her strengths? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys we're know both, your strengths? Yeah, we're both. Yeah, we're both. Okay. Yes. I'm number one competition uh, and number two achiever. So oh, my, my plate generally is bigger than average in terms of the amount that I can put onto that plate and the amount that I can um, do. So mm-hmm. I think naturally i and that's not the answer that everybody wants to hear i know naturally i think i can just uh, do a bit more i also have focus in my top 10 which also helps me um yeah deliver um but in terms of some of the things that i do um i i uh <laughs> i don't have much of a social life <laughs> because this is everything to me so you know and 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 the last you know year we've we no, nobody's been out nobody's done anything so I, I you know i i sacrificed my social life about 5 years ago and haven't really had much of a social life since so when i um when i when i write i tend to write in sprints uh, on zoom so I'm super accountable. I have like one other person who I'm on zoom with and they know if I pick up my phone. So there is, there is no procrastinating when you are sprinting. So I use sprints. Um, what else do I do? I know, uh, I have a very, very accepting wife who allows me to work in the evening <laughs> sometimes. Um, I definitely, you know, if, if we're watching something in front of the tv I overwork I'm not gonna lie I will usually have my laptop out because I just love what I do so I do it all Mm -hmm. of the time Mm -hmm. um what else do I do I set goals uh usually quarterly and try and put a set amount of things in a quarter um what else do I do (sighs) it's really hard because I don't know I am like a juggernaut that has na- such narrow vision that I see nothing else other than completing a goal and everything else just just goes away I'll get up early I'll go to bed late um you know I I have very set boundaries between 3 p.m and 7 p.m when my son uh, is at home you know he's not at school and when my son is around it's suntime and then mm-hmm. then every time every everything else is not suntime. so you know mm-hmm. it's work time I don't think I have a good a good answer oh lists I love a good list and um I have a weekly list and then a daily list as well I don't know if that helps people I know hyper focus like and And, oh, uh, noise cancelling headphones help as well because then you can't hear children.
1: (laughs) It's always a good tip. Yeah, that is, yeah. Yeah, it's a great tip. Not necessarily always for children. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true, so true. So James in the uh, Facebook group wants to know, how did you get to be such a bad A? And how can we achieve your level of bad a
2: Oh, this one I'm I love. To keep it clean. Yeah. Trying to keep it clean, people. Trying to keep it clean. So you need to be born with an authority problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're back to the strengths again. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. Well, I think um, whenever anybody asks you to do something, say no. Um, always. So I, I have a. Rep- <laughs> I have a reputation for uh, like breaking the rules. Basically, um, the way you do it is by not conforming to anything. So for example, um, I worked in an an incredibly corporate environment and they told me I wasn't dressed corporately enough. So I rocked up in leggings and Converse trainers the next day and every day thereafter. So it's... (laughs) Basically, when people tell you, you know, because you have to have the mindset that, um, you know, y- you are effective at, if you're good at your job, then who cares what you're wearing? Who cares right. what your shoes are like? Who, You know, these things don't matter. These things are, you know, policy that are nonsense throwbacks from old boys clubs. So challenge everything uh it's probably why i had to leave i'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> um you know but it's so much say so that they told me my personality was a risk to my reputation oh honey like my personality <laughs> is my reputation you know? <laughs> so yeah like challenge everything never accept anything at face value so you know i'd be told we have to do it this way. And, and then I'd be like, but why? And, you know, they, they'd be like, uh, 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 and I'd be like, mm-hmm, exactly. So why don't we try it this way? And I was always right. Um, You know, <laughs> so, so I'd come up with these inventive ways to do things. God, they hated me. And, um, Yeah. So, so challenge always, always think creatively. Don't accept what you're told at face value. Um, a lot of sarcasm, a good, good spoonful of gin and, Mm -hmm. um, really killer heels. (laughs) Awesome.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I love that because you have just leaned into that. Like that's for your podcast is the rebel author podcast and that's just you. And so I think that's what people are like, if they see that in you and they want to do that, it may not necessarily mm-hmm. be that they're a rebel, but they find what makes them unique. And so, mm-hmm. I think it's cool how you've integrated that into your writing life. Just
2: thank you. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's very cool. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, next question Nathan says, I love Sasha's book on villains. I would like to hear her talk about what people do wrong in creating villains. This may be a whole other podcast topic, but. <laughs> Can you give, like, some high-level uh Yeah,
2: okay, tips? so the biggest one is them not having a very crystal-clear motive. It doesn't matter whether they are a villain or an antagonist. Obviously, in, like, romance books, you don't really have villains villains are people who hurt people you don't really have that so it depends on the genre that you're writing but not having a rock solid motive like why are they doing it yes but you know is that realistic you know that reason is there a justification and and a backup justification as to why they want what they want or why they're doing what they what they're doing um putting your villain on like the opposing side of your book's theme is helps you to do that I think um so you know like in the Hunger Games um if the theme is sacrifice and and Katniss sacrifices herself to save other people whereas President Snow sacrifices other people for his gain. so you know um his motive is well anyway so yes make sure you have a solid motive and that you're like to help yourself do that, put your your villain on the other side of the theme. Another thing that people do is they don't give the villain any personality. And um, by personality, I mean that they are a, a plot device. They are there solely to cause problems for the um, hero. Mm-hmm. And so if you... In, if you ensure that your villain has a life outside of the plot, that really helps. You know, you don't have to necessarily put acres and acres of this life onto the page, but it's just the odd little mention here and there to, to make them, give them that depth. Mm-hmm. And added to that, the last thing that I would say is to give them some, some redeeming feature. Now, everybody says redeeming and they don't really talk about what that means. Um, but what it means is, you know, give them something to care about or show that they, they have kindness despite their flaws. You know, um, not everybody is an a-hole all of the time. And so can, you know, does your villain have uh, a family member that they care about? Do they have a pet that they love? Do they, do they perhaps show mercy on the hero at some point? You know, you have to have, they talk about this save the cat moment for the hero. Um, hopefully everybody knows the "save the cat moment. Um, but you, know, you kind of need to save the cat moment for the villain too.
1: And not many people actually do that. Mm-hmm. That is very interesting. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. That is very cool. Yeah. I like that perspective. So switching gears, <laughs> I'm not going to follow up on that because we could go down that trail for a long time. <laughs> so um, I also wanted to ask you about Ally because you're very involved in Ally, the Alliance of Independent Authors. So can you just tell us a little bit about how they help authors in case somebody's not familiar with them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, Ally um, is the Alliance of Independent Authors, and I—I I don't know if, if this is a correct way to talk about them, but I kind of see them as a union for indie authors. Like, we have no trade union. Well, that is what Ally do. So. There are a stack of benefits uh, for being with Ally. Um, and some include the fact that they campaign and lobby government nationally, like Europe, uh, Europeanly. <laughs> That's really good English. Well done, Sacha. Um, you know, on the European European front, you know, like with all that digital tax on e books and stuff, they've had a hand in lobbying on that. Um, they're working with other unions now on this ACX stuff. Um, what else do they do? So um, they have a trusted uh, a service partner list where um, John Doppler works on the watchdog and every um, organization, whether it's like uh, design work or editors or uh, formatters, they will uh, vet their service and their organization before they go onto the trusted partner list. They have discounts. Like you always get free uploads with Ingram, stuff like that. They have forums, they have podcasts. Um, at, uh, so they do podcasts on A, &A, so you can email your questions in and they'll answer them. They do uh, inspirational indie interviews. They do fiction, non-fiction podcasts. They do um, an advanced salon as well. Joanna Penn and Orna do that one. Um, They have a blog which uh, pours out stacks of content. They're doing lots of ultimate guides at the moment, so going far more in-depth on a topic Um, and provide, yeah, like all kinds of stuff on mailing lists and marketing and, yeah, stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff and um yeah they're awesome I'm biased but they are awesome
1: <laughs> they have tons of good content yeah and a lot of it is yeah. free the podcast yeah. blog and um I would say the um free uploads and revisions at Spark. that benefit you get is worth the whole I mean it's paid for my membership many, many many times
2: oh yeah if you publish more than two if you publish two or more books in a year you've paid for your membership
1: yeah. 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 So it's well worth it. So mm-hmm. we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And so if people are interested, they can find out more about that. Yeah. So.
0: That's great. That's great. So Sasha, tell people how you have, what you've done to set yourself up for success.
2: Hmm. I, I struggled with this on a little bit, <laughs> um, but I think we, I think, I think we have circled it a little bit and mm-hmm. it's, The thing that means a lot to me, which is being authentic, Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I was very, um, jokey about the fact that somebody had said my personality was a risk to my reputation, but that actually crushed me for quite a while. And it took me a really long time to find who I was after that, because I've always been really, you know, vivacious and gregarious and and rebellious and all of the uses and, um, it felt like that had been taken away mm-hmm. and the whole point of being an indie is to be empowered and to have control and to do it your way and i made a vow to myself that if i was going to do it indie and i wasn't going to go traditional mm-hmm. then i had to do things my way and i had to be my absolute self so i wrote a nonfiction book and I swore at it and I made jokes and I was sarcastic and it turned out okay. (laughs) And you know, now I have a sweary podcast and, um, yeah, like I, I think, it was, it, it was a selfish act that has turned out really unselfish because mm-hmm. what it's done is um, enabled other people to um, find people like themselves. You know, it's a little corner of the internet for rebels and eccentrics and people who think differently and, you know, everybody who was ever told that they weren't, you know, a hero of their own story, you know, well, this is where you can be your own hero, you know, <laughs> right. so um, yeah, I think in being authentic, I, I never, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't like a conscious decision to, to go out and be my my absolute self on steroids or whatever. I just did it because I was so sick of having to work in a place where you weren't allowed to, to be yourself. And I am so glad that I did that because I have found a, a group of people who love that and who are that themselves. And um it's enabled me to grow my audience, to grow the podcast, um, and also to continue writing because now I have an audience who wants these silly, sarcastic, um, you know, sweary craft books. And I am so grateful that they found me and that I found them and that we, you know, it's mutual appreciation society. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, like, I think, I think being my being myself, even though I was told I shouldn't be is the best thing I I have ever done. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great
0: advice. So yeah. And honestly, you don't have to be like, I mean, I've had people tell me the same thing and I'm pretty compliant, you know, in a lot of ways. So I, but I'm much older than you. So it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I'm like, you know what? This is just who you get. When you get me, this is what you get. And, it was when I made that decision that things really did start to fall in line and Mm -hmm. you just sort of gain, there is, there is power in that. And I think that, you know, even if, even if no one knows you have that power, you know, you have that power. And I think that that's just wonderful, wonderful advice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's a good note to end on. So (laughs) um, why don't you tell us where everybody can find your books and your podcast and uh, all that you do?
2: Okay, so um sashablack.co.uk, and that's Sasha with A C, so S A C H yep. A, the colorblack.co.uk. Um, my podcast uh is the Rebel Author Podcast, and um there's a even more ridiculous podcast called Next Level Authors Podcast, which I co host with somebody else, uh, which is just craziness all the time. And um in terms of like social media, the best place to see me is uh Instagram, that's where I'm most active, and that's at Sasha Author.
1: All right. Awesome. Terrific. We Thank have- you for
2: being here. This has been so great. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I've, yeah. I've loved it. Even if I was like terrified of the questions because they're like they're really deep and meaningful. And I was but like, we're oh, not no. that
1: deep. So it's all good. The- <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll, not we'll have all. all the notes and links and everything at um, wishiadknownthenforwriters.com. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye, Thank everybody. you.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.